All right, there we go. We got the sound on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Thanks for your patience as we got going here, um, <laughs> overcoming any and all possible technical issues to make this episode happen today. And um, so I appreciate your patience in that regard. And, you know, I feel like we should have some Christmas music playing in the background. We got the Christmas tree up, a little different scenery than normal. Uh, I hope you all are enjoying the holiday season if you celebrate. And um, yeah, we may, have to, we may have to figure something out for the next episode. Uh, for those of you that are live streaming with us, thanks for joining us. Make sure to ask lots of questions as I introduce my guests here in just a second. Uh, would love for your commentary, your involvement in the conversation, make this a group discussion. And for those of you that are listening to the audio after the fact, as I always say, come hang out with us. Come be part of this live stream. If you follow us at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast on Instagram, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule and come be part of it. All right. Well, on that note, I want to actually welcome back uh, Rachel Larson Weaver is here with me. Rachel, thank you so much for coming back to be part of the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me back on, Nathan. It's nice to talk to you again. It is. And you know what? One of the, I have to give you props right off the bat. And we didn't talk about this beforehand, but one of the reasons that, that we wanted to have you back on the show is we had really good conversation last time. And I think I told you after we finished that episode, I'm like, you know, it's, it's not the norm for photographers in the industry to have both the photographic talent and or business talent, but then also have the teaching talent as well. And you're such a great <laughs> teacher and communicator. Um, so I have to give you props for that off the bat. That's part of the reason we're having you back on the show. I'm going to take the compliment. Thanks. I, well, you know, it always is like a little uncomfortable when you're like, oh, those are such nice things to say. I mean it very genuinely. Yeah. And, and, you know, most of the time, in fact, and it's very intentional, most of the guests that I have on the show are not teachers. They're not on the speaking circuit in the industry. Yeah. And, and that's intentional, by the way. Um, and I like that as well. But yeah, every once in a while, it's also nice to have conversation with with photographers who seem to have that that teaching ability built in as well. So yeah, again, props to you for that. Thanks for being back on the show. And we're going to actually get into a topic that we've really not spent a lot of time on here on the podcast. We're going to talk about how to utilize newsletters to build our photography business. But before we do that, for listeners that may be new to you and to your brand, will you briefly introduce yourself for for our listeners? I am Rachel Larson Weaver. I am a traveling long form film film photographer. Um, in the last time that I spoke with Nathan, I was sort of explaining what long form sessions are, and they're a chance for me to come in and spend an extended period of time with families, um, not only to witness what their family life looks like, but also it gives you the time and space to get creative and to have fun and to play with new ideas um, with photography. I am also a mother five times over, so kids ranging from 17 to 3. I live outside of the D.C. area on the East Coast. Um, and I am, as Nathan mentioned, I do have a teaching and mentoring background as well. So I like to work one-on-one -on -one well, in small groups with photographers, but that's sort of a nuisance we spoke last time. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, you, you definitely have the talent set for it. And as you were talking, I actually wanted to bring up your website here. So for anybody who may be live streaming, of course, you can see this on screen. For those of you that are listening to the audio after the fact, make sure that you go to Rachel Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N, and then Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R, rachellarsonweaver.com. And you can see Rachel's beautiful work. And it is very, I, I would I would categorize this as lifestyle family photography. Is, is that a accurate categorization, Rachel? Absolutely. I, You know, I feel like 
like so many photographers, we can get kind of weird about the labels, sure. uh, where you're like, there's a documentary element, but no, it, um, that's absolutely a fair characterization. Well, but it, and it's, it's just so beautifully done. And honestly, as much photography as I've seen over the last couple of decades, it's not very often that I come across something like this. So for those of you listening in, make sure that you go check out Rachel's work and also on Instagram, of course, showing this on screen for those of you that are live streaming, but rachel.larson.weaver. And we'll link to both of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And uh, I want to say hello to a couple of people who have already chimed in. Sue said hello from Sun Valley. Sue's become a regular uh, here on the live streams. Sue, thanks for coming to hang out with us. And then Benjamin as well from Arizona. Good morning, he says. And uh, Benjamin, welcome as well. And for anybody else who's live streaming, don't be shy. Uh, chime in, say hello. Let us know where you're listening in from. And then again, as we're getting into this conversation today about developing newsletters as a form of marketing for our business, don't hesitate to ask questions or comment about your experience. And on that note, Rachel, we're just going to kind of jump right in. And and I'm, I'm speaking, I guess, naturally as a host, I'm, I'm thinking about these various topics from my own perspective as well, where I see newsletters utilized quite a bit from photographers in the photography industry. It seems to center more around photographers that are offering educational courses, for example. And so they're trying to target other photographers or <laughs> professionals in the photography industry, and they're using newsletters for that purpose. I know that some photographers do use new letters or newsletters um, to work with work on building their brand and reaching out to their clients or potential clients. But I don't know that it's as commonplace. Is this something that you've done kind of since the beginning or is it something that you worked into? When I decided to launch long form sessions, it I was using the newsletter as a kind of a catalyst to do that because the kind of photography that I'm so interested in doing is so intimate and it does require a deep level of trust. I felt like using a newsletter that I was regularly showing up in bo- in inboxes every Monday night, people knew to expect me. It gave me um, an opportunity to tell stories in a more robust way, and it it gave me a sense of connection with folks that I think um, really went beyond Instagram. And so, uh, it's been about two years that I've been doing weekly newsletters, and it's completely transformed the nature of my business. That's interesting. Okay, so I've got some more follow-up questions. Emily is saying hello from Maryland. Thanks for listening in, Emily. Really appreciate you being here as well. And um, But to that end, so first of all, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You talk about more long-form style communication with your client base or maybe potential clients as well, but my automatic assumption in 2022 is that most people don't it's not that they don't have the time, that they, they don't make the time and or their attention span is short. So the idea of reading a long form email seems like a bit of a stretch of an ask. And and that's, again, a lot of assumption yeah. on my part. What, what are your thoughts on that? What are your, what's your experience with that? I think it probably is. And I think that that's part of what helps me really align my client base to the exact right people that I want to be working with. Makes um, sense. And so one of the reasons that I think it works so well for me is that it's not something that everyone's doing. And so when everyone's in a place, it becomes so saturated. Whereas I think those, the way that I am doing weekly newsletters is a little bit different. And so it has that sort of remarkable element and not in remarkable and like, oh, it's fantastic, but 
like you actually remark on it. You're interested. You're thinking, oh, I don't see people doing that. And so um, it has sort of a natural advantage in that way. And yep. and if it is, if folks aren't interested in reading that much from me every night that they or every week, they probably aren't interested in having me in their house for 24 hours. Um, yep. You that know, totally so makes this sense. Is, you know, to have your marketing matching your offers, I think, is a really powerful um, business decision. You know, I am not specializing in mini sessions, so Instagram stories aren't necessarily the perfect fit for me in the same way. Yep, uh, that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And it kind of lines up with a couple of things that we've talked about on the show here. One is the significance of differentiation. And the reality, which is that, as you alluded to, a lot of photographers just kind of tend to copy paste what everybody else is doing. They're like, oh, this is popular with my favorite celebrity photographer, or I see a bunch of other photographers on the market doing this particular thing. I guess I should do it that way, too. And I think that we need to learn as business owners to do very much the opposite as much as we possibly can, which is yeah. everybody's doing this thing. Let me go a different direction. So that, number one, I have to give you major props for. And then two, you, you make a really interesting point as well, which is that this very much backs up what it is that you're doing with your brand, which is a long form approach to portrait photography. So naturally, if somebody is interested in that style, then the idea of taking the time to read these stories and get context, um, they're going to be a, a better fit for your potential client base than those who are like, eh, I don't have time for this. I'm moving on. Yeah. <laughs> That totally makes sense. Sierra is, is chiming in from YouTube. She says, I love your work, Rachel, and your newsletters are beautiful. I love getting to know you through your newsletters. And uh, man, you, I and somehow I'm not subscribed, so I think I need to subscribe yeah. too because <laughs> it makes me curious now. Thanks for chiming in, Sierra. I appreciate that. So let me, let me just kind of jump right into it. You said, and we were chatting briefly before we got started today, but you said that there are three major benefits of newsletters over other forms of marketing. Will you share those with our listeners? Well, one thing we've already sort of um, hit on a little bit, which is that it isn't the thing that everyone is doing, and so therefore it, it stands out in the marketing world. The second thing is, and you've probably heard this in other places, but you own your email list. You don't own your Instagram following. You don't own your Facebook groups. There are other entities, other companies. Something can happen. I mean, we've seen Twitter has gone through a great upheaval in this season. If that had been your primary marketing and you no longer felt aligned in that space, well, I mean, not that Twitter is hugely used by photographers, but, you know, it is in other industries. What does it mean when you no longer get to control that? I think back on a couple months ago when there was, when they had really changed the algorithm on Instagram in order to... Um, promote more video and reels and everybody was so upset like we don't know what that future holds and and so to have an email list means that you get to have a form of communication that that you do own big companies obviously know that there is a financial benefit in it if you go on any major retailer site it is instantly trying to get your email by offering a discount which should indicate to us like these are valuable, this is valuable data and information um, to be able to communicate with our people. Um, I don't like leaning too much into like fear as a motivating factor, right? but in that same thing, I've known people who have lost their Instagram accounts and you become panicked about, you know, 
what happens. So to have access to this list is really strong. The other thing is there is a timelessness to it that is one of the benefits to me. It feels sort of outside of the trends that I'm able to share writing and images in a way that kind of feels uh, pure, for a lack of better words, so I don't have to be beholden to reels or going live or all of the other things. And so, uh, so when we have this thing that kind of can last beyond whatever the new social media craze is, whatever the new space is, that I think that there's a real value in that. It's, it's funny you talked about the significance of being able to control this particular medium because I was writing a bit of copy this morning with a, a social media post to kind of push out and prep for your, your podcast interview. And specifically, I said, what if there was a marketing medium? Well, actually, I started by saying building your marketing strategy around social media platforms that you don't control can be a bit risky. What if there was a marketing medium that you controlled and helped you not only build brand, but also book more clients? And it is, it's something certainly that we've been thinking more about within our brands as well. As these various platforms continue to shift and we see less impact and less ROI, where do we go next? And email hasn't gotten, gone away. There is also the challenge there, and maybe you'll be commenting on this, but of also there are a lot of email coming into our inbox, right? So how do we overcome that? Or how, how do we overcome the possibility that these emails are automatically getting funneled into spam? But at the end of the day, it is something that we can actually control. We have our, our subscriber list. We can control the content we're pushing out to them. We can very much build it to support the brand that we're trying to, to create, uh, as we discussed. So I think that's, that's really, really important. And if, I mean, I don't know if these numbers, because I was looking at it this morning in anticipation of this conversation, my newsletter list is not as large as my Instagram following. It's uh, about a fifth of it. But when I look at what my open rates are on an average email, not even the ones that like perform really well, my open rates are comparable to what any like to what like a medium performing post would be, its mm. reach. But that reach isn't the same level of interaction as somebody actually opening up an email, right? So like the 700 people who have opened an email versus the 700 people who it's been reached on Instagram, like one is a more valuable and engaged client anyway. Um, and so, and that has been through two years of dedicated list growing and things, but it but it's not like an impossible, it's not one of those things that feels like, how will we ever make, how will I ever get those numbers? That I do think that there are like practical ways that you can build these things and it can really be powerful pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah, that that's so important to note. And it's kind of interesting, actually, when you speak about Instagram following, you ever go look at some of these celebrity Instagrammers who have millions and millions and millions of followers, the tiny, tiny fraction of the people that are supposedly following them that are actually even liking the post, number yeah. one, and then looking at engagements, a whole, you know, a whole different number. The, the actual engagement is what really actually matters at the end of the day. If you've got 50,000 followers, but only 500 of those people are actually engaging with you, what's the point, right? So I, I think it's very important that you bring up the significance of this data. Uh, also a great reminder for those photographers who are starting to build a newsletter to actually pay attention to those metrics as well. It's really, really important. Yeah, because I think sometimes we see these big following numbers and we also get dis disappointed. It's disappointing that 
you know, 10% of my Instagram following is reached on sort of an average post. Uh, and I don't want to be beholden to trying to figure that out. So I liked, I liked finding a way to kind of take control of it and make it my own. Yep. Um, and so, and it's been really beneficial. And I, you mentioned one thing, like it, some, these emails can go into spam and they can go into promotion. Um, and that's when it is sort of useful to be using your social media in conjunction with it. When I'm sending out emails, I frequently remind people on my stories. And I do think it helps kind of flag them to go in and check in their promotions or spam folder. And the more times that they've done that, the more likely your email is to head straight into their primary um, folder. And so, you know, you just have to, you want to utilize them together but yep. but I'm I'm trying to set up a system that if I should get off of Instagram and Facebook altogether one day that I have a strong enough system in place to carry me I love that big picture thinking um, yeah. also both and right it's really yeah. important to note that in culture in general it's so easy to go to one direction like blinders on focus on one thing or another thing or think one way or another way and the reality is most of the time it's a lot grayer than that, or at least it should be. And we can't, we can't be so simplistic as to, to write off all these platforms that we might be frustrated with in one form or another. The reality is that we can use both and, but I think I, I just, I love the very broad kind of big picture thinking that you're exemplifying here. I think it's a good reminder for our listeners. A couple of comments have come in. Benjamin was saying, perhaps this could be labeled as marketing self-sufficiency, uh, which I, <laughs> I think is that. a really great way to put that. And then Nikki says, uh, yes, I have such a good opening open rate, usually about 40 to 50%, which is wonderful. Do you have ideas yep. for growing your list? And I don't know if, if you want to answer that question now, Rachel, or if you're going to be covering that a little bit later in our conversation. Um, it was on the notes to cover, but we can jump into it now if that makes sense. No, no, no. We'll, we'll hold on to that. Yeah. And, and Nikki, okay. hold on to that. And for some reason, we don't answer it in the conversation um, coming up here. Then certainly we'll come back to your question. I appreciate you chiming in. And again, for the rest of you that are live streaming, again, don't be shy. Jump into the conversation. Love the engagement today. So we've talked about the three major benefits. And I mentioned to you beforehand that I'd be taking notes in a notebook here. Yeah. So. Number one benefit is, as we talked about, how unique it is. Number two, it's a medium that we can control. Number three, that timeless format. And, and I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. Let's look at the other side of it, just to try to be fair here. What's the potential drawback to this particular medium of marketing? So one thing for me, and I think that one of the reasons that my newsletter has succeeded is I have a background in writing. I was an English major and undergraduate. I started my MFA in creative writing. I was an English teacher for eight years before being a photographer. So like I have a strong writing background and mm. not everyone does. I think newsletters are a really good fit. If you're writing captions and people are frequently when they share in their stories, they're like, read this. Or if people are in your comments saying, Oh, I love what you have to write and say about it. If you love the caption part of Instagram or Facebook, then it makes sense that this is this is a good medium for you. You know, we've already said it. Marketing is not a one-size-fits-all situation, but this might fit you. I know lots of photographers, actually, that like have a background in writing. There is a certain... Um, I see a similarity in in both mediums and how they call us into presence and to paying attention and to storytelling. 
so so it's a good fit for you if writing is really a struggle then it's probably not <laughs> an yeah. excellent fit for you i do yeah. think you still have some options though like um doing things like roundups of of you know different things you've read and seen and recommendations and I've seen people who aren't you know the strongest writers but have their finger on the pulse of all sorts of exciting things that are happening that they've been able to build up newsletters in really um, cool and dynamic ways so that is like one possibility that you could still it doesn't have to be weekly but it's a thing that will encourage you to keep building your list and keep yeah. kind of moving towards things so that it is it is healthy in case of a worst worst case scenario. Worst case you know, scenario, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you there. I'm I'm actually in the process right now of, of pulling this up. Uh, there's a book that I just wanna throw out for everybody. Pull it up here on Amazon so everybody can see this. But it's a book called On Writing Well. And first of all, Rachel, you, you make an interesting point. Writing is, is not a strength for a lot of people, actually. And this is something I've definitely seen in the industry, um, being, being in it for so long. But if you are wanting to implement a newsletter, number one, I would encourage you to get this book. Uh, it covers, covers some important basics when it comes to writing well. Of course, we can also leverage uh, those who are good at writing. So hiring or contracting a, mm -hmm. a, a copywriter somebody that can help us at least get started if nothing else maybe even come up with a template of some kind like if we're not used to thinking about in fact one of the things that's, that's interesting I guess in a similar way to this is presentations when I've been to so many conferences and workshops over the years and while you might have super talented photographers and or business people that are giving these presentations they're not great communicators they're not good teachers they don't know how to put a presentation together or design slides in a way that's easy to follow <laughs> and so I, th I think it kind of goes along the similar lines, right? Uh, that Absolutely. That we, we need to be aware of the fact that this is not a strength. So we have to make the intentional effort to learn at least some of the basics, certainly get help from those that are really good at it. And um, when, I, when I was suggesting the idea of a template, even just a rough outline of structure, like an introduction and then... Um, and where to go from the introduction into the main body and then how do we close this out it, just simple things like that that might give us points of reference to get started i think is really important just to, for those who are not natural writers to keep in mind absolutely and if you hang on till the end i do have something kind of exciting coming down the pipeline that if, okay, cool. if that's something you, you know people are interested get in touch there's you know well, we'll, we'll I, come back to it and, and highlight yeah. it then here in just a little yeah. bit. So let me get back to the conversation here. So we've, we've talked about the potential drawback. And in this case, it is the possibility that maybe we're not great copywriters. So we can leverage tools, certainly that can help educate us. We can leverage those who are talented writers to help us with this work. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what we need to do to, to go about establishing and developing an effective newsletter. You mentioned to me ahead of time that there are kind of five primary steps here that we need to focus in on. Um, what what are those steps? Will you just walk us through those? Yeah, absolutely. And most of us, you want to start by putting together whatever existing list that you have. Lots of folks, even if they are not doing a lot of email marketing, they probably have a list of their clients when they're sending out that there's a sale on prints or that they're operating mini sessions, you know, get the list that you already have in solid form. And then the second step 
is to choose a, um, an email provider or service that works for your needs. I'm a big uh, fan of Flowdesk, but it is a monthly fee and there are other free ones. Um, MailChimp, I believe, for uh, under 500 subscribers and constant contact. I think you're, um, if you've got a Squarespace website that, mm-hmm. that there's integrations. So find something that feels like it's going to work for you to start establishing these next bits. Because like the third thing you have to do is make it easy for people to sign up for your newsletter. If they've come to your website, you can have a pop-up. It can be at the bottom. You should have a link in your Instagram bio that is allowing them to sign up for your email list. You got to have it a few places just so sort of the people who are already naturally curious about you can get in there. Um, one of the things that I was saying sort of as the fourth step, it, it has to do with like, you're going to be building your list, I think both before and during creating these emails. So now maybe you're sending out your first email. Don't be discouraged if your list feels small. Those people tend to be more engaged. Your open rate is going to be higher generally at the beginning as, um, you know, that, and so just make sure that you've got something kind of exciting to hook them and make them interested in staying and reading the next one, you know, whatever's coming down the line. Um, and how did, how did you summarize that fourth point? What, what did you say it was, Rachel? Uh, basically, it is the, that you're going to have to send the first email okay, to whatever. Okay, get started. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then the fifth, that, and this is the piece that I'm saying, it's kind of happening before the fourth and it's going to continue to happen. It's like, what are the things that you can do to build your email list? Um, as, uh, was it Sophie uh, that that asked, like, what are the things that... Yeah, Nikki was asking I've, about it. Oh, Nikki, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have sort of a handful of, of things that I have tried and I have seen other people try... Um, and that I can think about different ways that they would work also for different types of photographers. Um, the most common, I think, is to offer some sort of freebie. Again, I think it's really important um, to think about what you're seeing done a lot because you're, it's not going to be remarkable then <laughs> if you're offering that. I've seen a lot of family photographers that maybe their freebie is about how to take better pictures of your own children. I think that that is like a great, um, and that's not inherently a bad freebie by any means, but if you're seeing that happening all the time, it's a lot less likely somebody's going to be like, oh, I want to see that. You've got to actually think about in developing a freebie, what is something like the needs of the people who I am trying to to serve and also how does my offer actually connect with that? Well, the other thing I'm curious to get your take on this too, that I might add to that is make sure that it's of genuine value because I, at this point I'm, I'm honestly super cynical. I, we were talking earlier about photographers who have educational courses and, you know, getting blasted by, by their emails. And honestly, a lot of the copy being used and the, the approach to the selling is quite manipulative. And part of that, I think, is that the, the so-called value ads, the, the, the freebies, 
the clickbait yeah. at the end of the day, in many cases, isn't super value valuable and or maybe maybe they're adding a bit of value. But then naturally, of course, they're trying to draw you into the course. So they give you one of five steps or whatever it might be. Yeah, um, I, I would just I, it just it feels very slimy. And so I, I, I would just encourage everybody listening in. And, and again, I want to get your take on this too, Rachel, but just to, to be genuine in an effort to give something of value that this, if this person downloads this freebie, they walk away with something of benefit, regardless of whether or not they interact with you as a potential business is, is what are your thoughts? A hundred percent, because I have actually never offered a freebie because of so much of what you just said that it, but it's interesting as I was preparing for this interview mm. i thought about like the first time that i had a freebie idea that i was like genuinely interested because i was thinking about like what could be writing prompts for mm. photographers to think about like what what they would want for their email list and so last night i was like really excited about that idea and then i'll move forward with it because it was the first time that i had something that i was like oh i think that this is actually could be really beneficial to folks and I'm excited about writing it and it does connect to other things that I offer. I don't think, yeah, I, I think that it can feel in that realm of like sliminess of, mm -hmm. and I, my brand position and my brand integrity is so important and valuable to me. And I see that as being one of the primary reasons somebody would want to hire me. It is not worth it to, um, sacrifice that to get a temporary rise in in an in email clicks. list that's only yeah. gonna unsubscribe it has to feel really aligned and integrated so actually i don't offer freebies as often because mm. i said as i said i never actually have as when i'm about to post a newsletter that i think people will find interesting and of value i tease part of that in my instagram stories or sometimes in my posts and it's been interesting to see what kinds of things um, will get people to subscribe who maybe had been following me for a long time and no other email topic had interested them. But then they'll see that and they'll join in. Okay. Um, well, so I, I, just to be clear for everybody listening, the last thing I want to suggest is that every photographer out there selling a course is being slimy. I, I've just seen too much oh, of that yeah. kind of thing, Rachel. And so I think it's important that we have this conversation and, and create awareness and push everybody because you make a really interesting point as well, which is the significance of the longevity of a brand. And I think part of what rubs me such the wrong way with some of this manipulative content from photographers and so-called educators is that it's, they seem to assume that the photographers are sending these emails to are idiots, that they're not going to realize that these, these clickbait titles and the freebies and so forth don't actually hold that much value or don't actually follow that the, the individual is not following through on what it is that they're promising with these big headlines and how that could potentially affect the longevity of the brand. Um, yeah, it may be great for a quick grab of numbers, but what does it mean in the long term? And so I, I'm glad that you bring that up because that's super important. I, I, we've got, I've got so many different moving parts here. So I want to, yeah. I want to, first of all, go back to, I've, we've had a couple of comments come in um, Emily said, Rachel, do you also blog? And if so, how does that relate to your newsletter or complement the various forms of your writing outlets? And I know that we're going to talk about webinars here in just a second, but do you have just some brief thoughts about the idea of blogging and how that relates to newsletters? Well, it's interesting. My, I like my background, the way I became a photographer is really because I had a blog and 
I bought a camera so that I would have pictures for the blog and then people started to hire me from there. So it was really like a blog that launched my career. And then I wasn't writing very much and I had to decide, will I, did I want to make my writing go more in the form of a blog or in a newsletter? Um, because I I don't love when the same content is all over the place, though that's like absolutely just a choice you can make. I had decided if people were going to give me their email list, their emails, then I wanted to make sure that I was giving them excellent content that wasn't just going everywhere else as well. So I do try mm. to sometimes like months down the line, I might add or I might grab excerpts or I can use it in other places. But I really sort of try to nurture my newsletter as a place where like the exclusive special first time that you're going to get it, um, that this happens. I still do blog some, Emily, in part because newsletters, you don't want to add very many images to a newsletter. Uh, probably somewhere in like the five image range. Otherwise, you're more likely for um, things like Gmail to send your newsletter into spam and into promotions so if I want to share a lot of images of something that's when I blog it Um, but if it is primarily text then it remains as a newsletter okay good and I appreciate that that feedback and the the perspective and thanks for the question Emily so just kind of going back to these kind of practical ways to approach setting up and ultimately launching a newsletter number one is to build your list take the time to build your list and and I'm also glad that you highlighted the reality, which is that we're probably going to be starting with a smaller number, but that that's okay. And you're you're 100% right that the engagement rate for a smaller list can actually be really exciting and encouraging. So yeah, don't write off the smaller list. Number two, choose an email provider that fits. And, and I pulled this up just because you, you mentioned them. I'm a huge fan of, of um, the flow. Well, just flow themes, flow desk, yeah. um, that whole crew out there. Ross is a longtime uh, friend of mine, somebody I've known in the industry. I've used their product. And uh, so flowdesk.com, for those of you that are not live streaming, I have this pulled up on, on site or on the, the website, design beautiful emails, sell online. Beginners and experts use Flowdesk to send emails. Uh, people love to get creative, high converting checkout pages and grow their business all in one place. And of course, and we'll I link- find they're so like easy. There's the interface is so user friendly. You can create something so beautiful, simply that I am a huge fan of Flowdesk. And sometimes... Yeah. You know, you pay for something. I don't know if you're like me. If I'm paying that fee, then I feel this greater need to actually follow through with the thing. So maybe paying for your Flowdesk membership will mean that you prioritize emails so that you're, um, uh, you know what I mean? Because sometimes when it's a free thing, then you just kind of wait on it. So that's That's a great That's a great point. Yeah, no, and their, their design their design sensibility, their design language, um, not just with their emails, but also with flow themes is stunning. I'm a huge, huge fan. So yeah, definitely recommend them. We'll link to them in the show notes. And then you said, uh, number three, make it easy to sign up. And when, when it comes to, to this idea, are you intentionally placing like multiple opportunities throughout your site to sign up for that newsletter? Or is it kind of focused on one main area? What does that look like for you? I... My brand, I try to be, um, I don't know, not very pushy. And maybe that is to my detriment sometimes on things like I'm the same. my, <laughs> yeah. Like, so there is, 
for a long time, I didn't even have a pop-up on my website. Uh, it was just like at the bottom that there was a button to get into my newsletter. Right. Now there is a pop-up to sign up for it. And I have to say, I have gotten like a lot of signups from it. So that's why you do it. Uh, but I try to set it on like the least obtrusive settings. So like once somebody has said no, it doesn't ask them ever again. And, yeah. or like for six months or something. Um, no, I'm so, smiling because I'm, I'm very much yeah. like you. And in fact, I'm not generally a huge fan of pop-ups either for that reason. Like the idea that it's like just intruding in the person's ability to be able to just look at the site. Um, yeah. So I, I feel your pain on that. It's interesting to note though, that, that you did get good results from it. I know. And I like, I, it's one of those things I feel that like, I don't know if I love this, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it has been beneficial. Cause I think that before it was maybe so subtle, people came onto my website and did not always see it. Um, and then the other place that I have it is in my, um, Instagram link bio that, that it's clearly there. And with some regularity, I reference it. And then I will also use the link to those forms in my Instagram stories once or twice a month when I'm kind of advertising a an email that's coming out that I think might be of interest. Um, a few weeks ago, for instance, I had an email on like some of my favorite creative practices. And that was something that when I put it in my Instagram story, you know, a solid number of people who had not signed up for my email list were interested in that email uh, and hadn't previously given me their <laughs> email address. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, um, it, and for anybody who's curious, of course, you can go to rachellarsonweaver.com and, and see what that little sign-up form looks like. Uh, you know, th there are some that like take over the whole screen and you're like, how do I X out of this thing? Yours yeah. is definitely not that. So <laughs> as, <Yeah. laughs> as, as least obtrusive as possible. Uh, number four was, of course, to go ahead and send out that first email. Um, and then number five is to brainstorm how to build that list. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. One of the ideas that will help build a list um, here. So let's go ahead and transition into that conversation uh, because you mentioned webinars. And honestly, the last thing that I would assume, I guess in some ways similar to the idea of a newsletter and how I naturally make the association between newsletters with photography educators, uh, webinars, kind of the same thing. The last thing I would assume is that my photography, and I think back to my wedding photography career and the clients that I work with, the idea of not only sending a newsletter out to them to let them know about the other couples that I'm photographing, but then the idea of doing a webinar on top of that is just, it's the last thing that would have come to mind. Um, so I mean, that's why I kind of love it. Cause I feel like when you can yeah. take a thing that people aren't doing in like an artful or meaningful way and kind of put it on its head, it's been really fun. I don't, when I offer webinars, they are not so much, Again, the sale is very, as much as possible, it's kind of unobtrusive and at the end. I like it as sort of like a, oh, let's bring people together and have a class on something. And actually, like four of the webinars that I have given, I've done them on my own and in collaboration with other photographers. It's really sort of an art history class. We'll look at famous photographers and show how that could influence um, how that has influenced our own work or how that could influence the work that we want to create with other people and so there's a value in these in these classes people who are uh, creative and sort of academic and intellectual the kinds of people that I tend to really enjoy working with 
they want to learn about more photographers. They want like this little art history lesson. They like the introductions um, that, you know, I've brought in these other photographers to talk about photos. One thing to keep in mind, there are a lot of photographers in the world. We feel that often when we're like, it's such a saturated market, but there's a way to talk to them in a way that doesn't feel like you're not trying to educate them, but to become interested in your photo work. Because like I said, it's a pretty thick market. Those photographers then might be interested in hiring you just as a photographer. Um, And it has been, you know, really beneficial to me and some of the photographers that I've worked with in doing this as we have promoted we're not promoting education when we do this we're just promoting our own photography work so is the webinar then are you inviting potential clients to that webinar or is, is yeah it anybody okay so uh for instance I don't know if you're familiar with the photographer Nikki Boone she's a New Zealand photographer we did a we did two webinars where we advertised that we were going to show who our um, uh, photographic influences were and to talk about how they had had impacted our work. And so we both made slideshows where we were giving information on them, showing like this is the work of this famous photographer, this is the work that I've created kind of in, um, in conversation with that. And then folks who are interested in having pictures made with them that uh, are not so typical, that are really, I, I'm always hesitant to describe <laughs> my own work when you're like, you know, these really like artful kind of, but you know, a next level of engagement with photography as a medium. We did a good job of getting those people interested. Okay. And then those people hired us to take their pictures because they were engaging with our work in a new way and seeing it in a new way and having it talked about. Um, and, and so it was really beneficial. So, cause I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make the connection between how this would be value. Well, I just trying to understand how this would be valuable to the end client. You're talking more about webinars as a form of art appreciation, which was- then kind of, stirs ideas up in their mind and naturally draws them to your work? Am I understanding that yep, right? Yep, that was basically what happened. So okay. people who are, my ideal client typically tends to be creative people. Uh, and so the idea of a free class studying art appeals to them. And hmm. I mean, I've had hundreds of people sign up for these things and I don't have a huge following I mean I have a solid Instagram following but you know there's been three and four hundred people who have signed up for these classes they don't tend to show up live but they're they're interested in seeing the work they come they like being they like learning about like I said these other photographers these other influences and then because you've sort of elevated your work and put them uh in the same discussion as Sally Mann and Dorothy Lang, uh, then some of these people have come to hire me. That's wild. Okay. Because what I'm thinking about a webinar that would, you know, kind of like we were talking about, like what a freebie, how a freebie would add value to that, that individual. When I'm thinking about a webinar, 
if, if anything, I'd be like, okay, let's uh, maybe a webinar on how to dress in preparation for a portrait session or, you know, something to that effect where it's related to the thing that they're going to do with us. But this seems in some ways so far removed. And yet it's not because you said that you're, you know, who you're talking to and that person that that target client is interested in the artistic side. So this is actually a relevant conversation. And I think that, you know, when, how many people actually want to take an hour out of their day to listen to somebody talk maybe about how to dress? I mean, I, and I think that sometimes like when you're thinking about, about what those freebies are and how to talk to people, I do think somebody who's already booked a photo session might then jump to that, but I don't think that that's going to be the thought they have before a photo session. Um, I was thinking about in other in other genres of photos, but like if you are a boudoir photographer and you decided to have a webinar on like self-love, self-care practices and the kinds of things that can make you feel more comfortable in your skin, then that's a beautiful lead in to the offer um, to me. And it's the kind of thing that somebody might be feeling like, oh yeah, it's it's the new year new me, uh, this information is exciting to me. Or if you're thinking about talking with, if you're a wedding photographer and you want to talk with other people in the industry, you could have a conversation, a webinar that that is really like people getting to come in and, ha- and to listen in to a conversation with uh, wedding industry people talking about the things that they wish folks knew when they were planning their wedding. Mm. And I can imagine if I was planning my wedding, that would be interesting to me if I was in the early stages of that um and that it it can have a broader audience and you can have conversations you can cross promote possibly with other yeah industry folks so I guess number one know your audience well because again my my initial response to this is like huh that doesn't it doesn't (laughs) add up in my mind but I, I also don't know your client base so yeah know your client base or or certainly the target client anyway um, and what they're interested in, because naturally, if we're going to create content, and like you said, they're going to take an hour out of their day to watch some content or listen to content, we want to make sure it's relevant. Um, and and then two, use that opportunity to add value to their life through that content. And, and I guess maybe three, use that also as an opportunity to um, uh, network with other vendors in that particular space, especially in the wedding photography space. You're absolutely right. Having commentary from a coordinator and a florist and a photographer simultaneously on a particular topic, um, like preparation for a wedding, yeah. that kind of insight perspective would be highly valuable. Um, but just knowing the audience and, and how you can actually add value to their lives would enable you to choose who to bring to that webinar and bring that content. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, because I do think it's, like I said, when we're doing things that feel like you're really zigging when other people are zagging, it becomes an interesting thing. And and uh, pe- one of the other things to keep in mind, every time I have announced a webinar, those have been some of my most shared posts on social media and gotten me the most followers almost of any other post. Uh, people, the people who love you and want to support your brand, you're you're doing this free thing they're going to share it and support it and, you know, encourage their people. It's, you have all of a sudden given them, uh, an opportunity to help you on a platter. And it's really kind of beautiful to watch, uh, how many people will help you in that, in that moment, but they almost didn't even know like what to do and what to say, but 
this served as an introduction that they could say mm. to their people, I think you'd love Rachel. Come listen to this. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So obviously this is a way to also help kind of build that email list. Um, back to Nikki's question earlier, one or two more ideas or suggestions for listeners too, when it comes to, to working to build that email list. We talked about freebies. We've talked about the idea of a webinar. Anything else you want to add to that? As I said, you have to be comfortable to continue mentioning it. If you're sending these things out weekly, it doesn't mean, you know, that you have to mention it weekly. And also, you don't have to have a weekly email list for it to be a really strong and powerful tool. But when you're sending them out to, to give people a heads up in whatever social media channels you're using, um, last winter, I... You know, because I'm always kind of throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks and what, you know, excites people. As long as I'm excited about it. I did a um, a self-love challenge and it was things that every day that you would get an email about something to do kind of to come into a conversation and connection with yourself. And that challenge was really beneficial. Again, it was people saw that information and they signed up. You could use that as a challenge to have moms get in pictures with their kids you know and that every day you were giving them a prompt even if they were just doing it on their iPhone and then offer a discount at the end of the challenge um, but those sorts of things that get people excited and wanting to read your email the next time it comes through um, as I mentioned big brands are always offering discounts to get on the list that's like not necessarily my favorite but also um when you can offer exclusives if you are going to be offering mini sessions and the email list is going to be the first um to have access and you can that those that helps uh build and did i cover all of discounts exclusive oh um i have seen people and this has tended to be in um more in education, but I can think of one photographer who a few years back made a quiz and it was really about like taking the quiz to see like what style of photography would be most suited to you and your family. Um, I should go back and ask her how that did, but here it is several years later and I'm Alex friendly. I'm still thinking about that quiz you created because I thought it was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, we really have to kind of open our, our minds up and just think about what would grab the attention of who we know as our potential target market and know at a deeper level what it is that they're interested in, what they like, what ultimately would capture their attention and play to that. I, I do like that you included in that conversation, though, doing things that we also enjoy, because when, if, we're, if we're trying to sell something that we're not invested in or get people excited about some idea that we're not totally invested in. Again, we talk about that kind of manipulative idea a notion earlier when we read some newsletters or look at freebies. But um, it can also feel a little bit disingenuous as well when you're seeing content from somebody and you, it just feels very forced. Like they're, they're forcing the issue. They're obviously not really into it, maybe not even fully behind it. And again, people aren't stupid and we shouldn't treat them yeah. as such, you know, like they can read that stuff. So it makes a lot of sense to actually focus our attention and efforts, not just on what we know our end client or potential client is going to enjoy, what they're going to get value from, but also things that we enjoy simultaneously. And then you got to win-win in the end. And that's why I think newsletters have been 
such a powerful tool for me. I like writing. I like connecting in that way. And so it doesn't feel like a chore to me. It feels like a way of engaging with a creative practice that I'm interested in. And then the fact that I can <laughs> use that as a, as a means to connect with people who are also interested in that uh, has helped me prioritize it. If you're, if you're trying to make freebies or think about webinars or build out challenges and they, and it's just, uh, it's disconnected from what would interest you, what you would want to listen to, what, you know, what you're passionate about, I don't, it's not going to connect with the clients you want. Yeah. Fair point. And, and I think it speaks loudly for itself. Well, um, listen, Rachel, I really appreciate you being willing to share your insight on this particular topic because it, it's really, I think it's something that's kind of underutilized. Um, if, if I were to get back into photography, this was something that I would certainly be thinking about as well for various reasons, including ones that you've, you've mentioned here. I mean, again, being able to control that platform yourself to, to actually own your list and control the content that's going out and, and determine how that end client or potential client is going to see that information, ultimately be able to choose how we add value to their lives um, and, and invite them in to this brand that we're creating. I think it's a really incredible opportunity that's underutilized. So I, I appreciate you sharing your insight on that, that regard. You mentioned early on in the conversation that you've got something kind of cooking, something coming oh, yeah. <laughs> up. Can you share a little uh, bit about that? I'm, I, th- I think right around when this goes live in mid January, um, I am going to open the doors for a writing class that'll be throughout March. Um, And while it isn't all specifically tailored to email writing, it is like sort of for a writing practice. And then there are going to be bonus classes in it to show you how you could take, take writing and almost turn it to copy. Cause that's one thing about how I write my newsletters. They don't actually start as copy for me. Um, I, that's like a whole nother conversation. I feel that, you know, I'm making pictures. I'm not making content. I'm writing. It's not necessarily copy, but then how can we kind of in an interesting way move to the sale from that? And then Mm. how can that feel really like genuine and empowering, um, to us and make us excited about what we want to write and finding our voices. So if you're following along, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be hearing more about that come January. Perfect. And for those that are listening and that have not signed up yet, all they have to do is just go to your site, rachellarsonweaver.com and sign up for that newsletter. A little pop-up will, will show up yeah. and they can, they can put their name and email address in. That's great. By the way, Rachel, I, I did happen to have some holiday music. So we're going to go out on something oh. that at least <laughs> sounds a little more festive, I think. Oh, I well, love it. ish, maybe a little, some, some bells chiming in the background or something yeah. like that. <laughs> But as that as the outro music is playing, will you just remind our listeners both your website and where to find you on social as well? Um, the website is rachellarsonweaver.com. And again, it's Larson with an E, Danish, not Swedish. Uh, so rachellarsonweaver.com or rachel.larson.weaver on Instagram. Pop those up on the screen here as you were talking. We'll put those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Thanks again, Rachel, for making time. Thanks, everybody, for chiming in, for listening in. I really appreciate it. Have an absolutely wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon.